Fine, my name is James Ellis, a member of the European Parliament for um, the Southeast region, as you correctly introduced me. Um, I'd like to uh, say that uh, it's a real pleasure to be with you after nearly 30 years of working uh, with the uh, constituency of the Thames Valley and with Oxford in particular. Um, I recall that the last time I came into this building, I think, was in 1956 when my grandfather was unwell and he was living in the Woodstock Road. So I feel as if I come back to my roots this evening. Um, but uh, in particular, uh, uh, describing a little bit about my activities, um, I think all of us know that you start off on a particular course and you have no idea what's going to be along that particular road. And during this 30-year uh, course, it's been part of uh, helping to found a Baroque Orchestra, the European uh, Union Baroque Orchestra, which is based up the road, tremendous talent, tremendous organization. But there are three specific organizations which has, I think, probably turned me into a serial networker so far as my parliamentary colleagues think of me. Uh, the first of these is the Transatlantic Policy Network, which composes some of the 40 of the biggest companies in the world. Our idea is how we feed ideas into strengthening transatlantic partnership in the global system. And most recently, President Obama announced the idea of a transatlantic trade and investment partnership, and much of the ideas came from the network, which I still chair as founder of it. But out of that, uh, and then one thing, as you know, Donna, leads on to another, um, came the European Internet Foundation. I'm not a techie by any sense or shape or form, uh, but I'm a co-founder of the European Internet Foundation, which is now one of the biggest organizations in the globe, dealing with all the software guys, the hardware guys. And it brought me to uh, Barcelona, to the Mobile World Congress earlier this week. If I was to give you one impression of that particular bus where 60,000 people were gathered and the Chinese were there in large numbers, of course, it is that um, if you uh, pick up a, pic a figure from Ericsson's latest traffic report, which is then going to be relevant, I think, to our discussions this evening. In 2012, 85% of our communications went by text and voice. By 2017, 85% of our communications, as if you get a signal, which in this area is somewhat difficult, um, <laughs> you, the, our communications will be going by mobile and broadband. It is a fantastic tsunami of mobile power which is coming, which we're going to have to master in across a whole range of different things. And thirdly, uh, it uh, has also brought me into working strategically with the Americans, with the National Intelligence Council running this transatlantic network, because we're building capacity within the European Union today to think strategically 2030, where you can begin to see wonderful themes like the rise of the middle class globally purchasing power changing in shifts of power from west to east, but also very much in the empowerment of the individual, which is showing just how much as politicians one has to recognize just how the world is changing and the values that we have and the way in which we sustain them. But throughout this uh, time that I've been a member of the European Parliament, uh, it's been my pleasure to know Donna. I know she's been remarkable in what she's achieved and where we've been able to collaborate in the past, and that's the reason why I'm here this evening to come and support this very valuable program that you have been running. Because with another hat, uh, uh, since I went into the uh, European Parliament in 1984, I sat on the Budget Committee. So that's nearly 30 years of seeing budget decisions taken. It's not so bad as some of our dailies might like to make out. 
But during this period of time, there's been an evolution in the European system of the recognition of culture and cultural policy in changes in the Maastricht Treaty in the 90s and now more recently in the Lisbon Treaty, it's given a legal basis for culture to be mainstreamed into activities to safeguard the European Union's rich cultural and linguistic diversity and cultural heritage. Uh, we've had a program running which is about 300 million pounds, not a lot, but still quite a bit when you think uh, of the way in which the European Union budget is going. And then in discussions currently underway, we expect that amount to be doubled or trebled to enable universities, research centers, cultural institutes to feed into a whole range of different programs on cultural heritage. Mainstreaming is actually a very important principle because it's also being shown now in the way in which cultural policy is being recognized in the growth jobs and innovation in what's known as the 2020 strategy for inclusive um, growth and jobs. And it comes into then a number of things where you wouldn't necessarily expect it to be, but because culture is actually part of the responsibilities of the European Union. Now, I think that to end, I would like to say that uh, I do indeed have a penchant for creating networks, but then if you create networks, you understand them where they can also grow as well. And therefore, seeing this um, immense networking possibilities, I think, offered by the university's cultural heritage program, they're not only forward thinking, but are also uh, that to ensure to enrich the perspectives of lives and lives of all concerned and beyond. I found a quote of Mahatma Gandhi who said that no culture can live if it attempts to be exclusive. And uh, on the note, because I know you want me to introduce Robert uh, Madler, who's a good friend for many years, uh, because he'll be giving a message probably more of how the priorities of the European Union have come in his role as Director General of DG Connect. But we're working with DG Connect on looking at um, cultures 2050, 2030, seeing the trends underway. And one of the trends which we're already picking up is the emergence of smart culture, which looks set to remain at the forefront of the digital revolution by, uh, in the years to come. In a document we produced a few years back, and I think it's going to be uh, renewed in the next few months, we anticipate that the world of culture will be transformed by the platform created for a global online cultural community through the sheer scale of information that will be transmitted and reproduced uh, through this technological sphere. So there are truly exciting times, and from Oxford University's point of view, I think as we have present the Director of International Strategy, as he will understand intrinsically the power of the media, the power of technology, the power of communication. I think that's the way the university can be in the forefront of activities of the future. Thank you.